All right, I got our grace time has five minutes after. I've shut three of the four doors. The hush comes across the crowd. There's all steps that have to be completed before it's my turn. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody out this morning. I've uh, got a little bit of an abbreviated, uh, uh, well, abbreviated, consolidated, how about, Sunday school this morning. Brother Lynn's going to be preaching for services, so he asked me to step in to do combined Sunday school since he'll be preparing for the services. So we'll pray for him as he uh, finishes up last minute uh, time with that. Uh, beautiful day. November right around the corner. Already starting planning for Thanksgiving. I got to go to the credit union, get a loan to start buying all the food. <laughs> all right? Yep. Nuts. Crazy times. But we'll talk about that a little bit today. Let's have a quick word of prayer. We'll open up and get into uh, our lesson this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, it's just such a great time this morning and already I can see that the spirit of the uh, folks here is just um, great Uh, the fellowship time was was great to see it was great to be able to talk to and fellowship with uh, some of the people here and it's just we're so grateful just to be here but with that being said we show up here wanting to spend time with you. As great as the fellowship with each other, it pales in comparison to, the, to this special time this, as for the Sunday school hour and even for services to come here in just a little bit. These are set-aside times that we uh, set aside and we want to spend that time with you. So we ask for your presence here today. We ask that you'll be uh, glorified, that you'll be pleased with our worship time this morning. We pray as we open up your word that you would be with uh, with that. and uh, It's just not a matter of us uh, wasting time or putting time um, in before services. No, even this time we want to be special. We want it to speak to us so that uh, we can potentially see lives changed or grow to love you more, to see you glorified, and we just ask that again you be with us even during this time. And as Brother Lynn is preparing for uh, services even now, we just ask that you be with him. That you would uh, again, that you would uh, uh, use his message today to just change us, change each and every one of us. Each and every one of us here, saved or unsaved, we'll make a decision today, a decision to either continue as we are or a decision to either follow you and, and, and name you as our Lord and Savior, or if saved, we'll make a decision either to, as, as I said, to continue as we are or to uh, commit more to spending uh, more time with you, to loving you more, to to changing uh, a particular sin that might be uh, in our lives. We just ask that you speak with each and every one of us as we go through the next few hours. We pray all this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right, we're going to be in 1 John. Let me ask you this first, as we were kind of alluding earlier. Um, I think most everybody here, we do a pretty good job in our society now. We invest for the future, don't we? Everybody here either got something they've put aside maybe toward that time when uh, you want to retire. Um, you got a 401k? Have you looked at it lately? Don't. Yeah, that's what I heard. Don't. You might have a different retire. You might have money in the stock market. Boy, there's an up and down if you, if you have particular stocks watching that thing. You know, but they say, you know, long term, right? Long term, you'll be okay. But man, it can be intimidating watching that on a day-to-day basis or even monthly or, or uh, yearly. It's, we all have things that we're doing to invest for tomorrow. And as we talk today, we're going to see where, what is it that we can invest in that will guarantee us eternal security. And what is it that we invest in that just guarantees us really nothing? Really nothing. So we're in 2 John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, last week, our Sunday school class, we looked at verses uh, 12 through 14. And just very briefly, I'll take just a a, a few minutes on that. Uh, We looked that John is writing this letter to these churches who were facing these attacks from the outside. And he's trying to tell them, if you just follow the gospel, your salvation is assured. Don't let all this other stuff come in and put these other burdens on you and make it harder than it needs to be. It's not. It's not. And John gives, goes through these series of faith tests that he's given them. Do you love your brethren? If so, then and you can see fruits in your life that that is true, then your salvation can be assured. Are you obeying commandments? Not the Ten Commandments. Are you obeying, obeying those commandments that Christ gave and on His time with us in His ministry? Are you obeying what Christ taught us? If you're doing that and you can see the fruits thereof, then your salvation can be assured. John takes a little bit of what I uh, uh, 
mentioned last week of an intermission. Um, anybody in here remember those intermissions in movies in the early 80s, late 70s, and before? Where the screen would all of a sudden come up, and it's time to go get more popcorn and Coke. Remember that? Play some music, the lights would come up, and then you'd have to come back to watch the rest of the movie. John kind of does this here. He, he, he's discussing these faith tests, and then all of a sudden he changes the topic. It, it, frankly, I told my class it was almost so out of place when I got to this point in, the, uh, in his book, I almost thought about skipping it because I'm like, what can I do with this? It's kind of out of place. This is kind of almost weird. But after I studied on it a while, it started to make sense. And what John basically tells us in those three verses, 12 through 14, is he says, this letter I'm writing you with these faith tests, before in whatever position you're in, spiritual maturity-wise, before you think it doesn't apply to you, well, hold on. It does apply to you. And he lists three groups, little children, sons, fathers. He lists those three groups. Little children just as a, a, a meeting for new Christians. He's saying this abides to you. Because little Christians, new Christians, are more apt to kind of go back to their old ways easier because they don't leave that environment, that circle of influence. And they're more apt to kind of fall away. So he's saying these tests, they apply to you. Sons, he's saying these are the ones that are getting attacked by Satan constantly. And they're battling and they're battling hard and they're involved in ministry and they're busy. And he's saying these apply to you as well. And to the fathers, he's saying these are the spiritually mature. The ones that have fought the battles and now they don't maybe see as much of it. Satan's kind of realized, you know what, this is this person's solid. He's solid in the faith, and uh, you know, so I'm going to move on. So they're not seeing as many of the attacks, but they, and but and they're solid in their Christian beliefs. And he's saying, wait a second, don't think that you're not. This doesn't apply to you as well. These tests apply to you too. So he takes a minute just to kind of tell uh, who he's writing these letters to, and then he, intermission's over now. Okay, now we start back in a faith test. And the, the uh, faith test today is loving the Father, not the world. John is not referring to the physical world here. So I think we need to take a second and say in verse 15, it starts off, love not the world. What's he refer to when he says love not the world? Well, he's not referring to the physical world. I'll, on the way to uh, church today, it's beautiful outside, isn't it? Trees are turning, the leaves are falling. Um, it's just beautiful. That's God's creation. We're to love that world. We're supposed to love that world. Um, I mean, the, creation's an amazing thing. Absolutely amazing. Well, another thing John is not referring to, he's not referring to the world of humanity or mankind or people. He's not referring to that when he says love, not the world. Do I have to list uh, many Bible verses on this? I think we probably get this point. We are told that God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. God loves the people. We should love the people. We love God's creation. We love the people in God's creation. We love all the people of God's creation. He created each and every one of us, whether they're in this building today or not. I heard it put recently this way, you know, uh, we're not to hate those people. They're not the enemy. They're the, they are, and they continue to be the victim. There's victims out there that are still following Satan's lies. And it's our duties to share the gospel with those folks. So we're to love each and every one of them. They're victims. What's John talking about then when he says love not the world? Well, he's talking about the world system. The things built up that kind of just evolve from the world. The organized system headed by Satan, which leaves God out. I mean, this is not a stretch for us nowadays, is it? To sit here and just for a second let your mind, you know, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, God out of the schools and God out of our uh, government institutions where 20, 30 years ago, the Ten Commandments were held high. And crosses were not, uh, it was not uncommon to see. And now, we, over the last uh, quarter decade, uh, quarter century, we've seen that slowly start to be removed. The system is organized against God, and we are to hate it. Now, some people go, well, well, hate's a big word. I know my mom's always told me, you don't hate, don't hate, right? Hate's a bad, it's a, it's a big word. Well, we're not talking about people here. We're talking about Satan's system. And yes, God hates that. Amen. And if God hates that, then you know what? I'm to hate it too. Amen. I'm to hate it. We need to recognize it. We're going to be obedient to either one or the other, right? We're going to be obedient to either this world system and live in it and enjoy it for a season, or you are going to obey God and enjoy it for eternity. You know, there's a big difference there. There's a huge difference there. Galatians 6.14 says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the Lord. God forbid that I should glory in this world. That's not where God wants us to have our focus. So verse 15 starts off, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Scripture obviously does not simply speak of planet Earth, right? Or the people, but rather, again, this sinful world system. You remember uh, growing up, what was that show on Saturday? Wide World of Sports. I, had the, the, I always think of that, that scene where the skier is falling down the hill, Right? It's a system. Business. That's a system. 
politics. Anybody watch TV lately? Boy, you can't shake a commercial right now, huh? For something going on with somebody wanting to tell you about what they're promising you one, one way or the other. And this world system of evil that draws men away from God. All those things aren't evil in and of themselves. Um, but can be taken too far and draw you away from God. What I, I uh, mentioned, it, I think last week in Sunday school, I saw a story in the last week where the owner of Hobby Lobby, did you guys see this, is giving away his business. He's giving the whole thing away. He had 100% ownership and he's putting it in a trust that'll be run by a group now. But he's not going to, I think he may have still some ownership in it, but he's giving it away basically. Multi-billion dollars. He's giving it away. And when asked why, he says, I want to focus on God. That was on Fox. Watch that art, that uh, interview on Fox News. I think it was last Saturday or last Sunday. I watched that interview with him. It was. I was. I was amazed and impressed. He says, "This is just taking too much of my time. Uh, these materialistic things draw us away from God, and I want to focus more on my God. So I'm giving this away." Wow. Wow. So business in and of itself isn't bad. Politics. I know good Christians that get just bogged down in this political uh, environment. Um, and I, my wife was getting on me yesterday. Is there anything on but Fox News? <laughs> so I watched it all day. There wasn't anything else on it. And so I had it on in the background while I was studying. And I said, well, no. And 200 channels, but no. And uh, I don't know. I kind of watch it for the entertainment value more than anything. It's just kind of goofy, some of the stuff. But, you know, I know people that I'm able to kind of turn it off and forget about it. And whatever happens, happens. That's my, you know, God's in control. That's my focus. But I know some folks that don't, I mean, they're all about, I don't know that they truly believe God's in control of that. Uh, you know, and, and they're good Christians. I've, I've seen them sit in these pews from time to time. But they get too focused and too worried about that. And that can become a crutch as well. Again, whatever draws men away from God, that's what John's telling us we are to hate. Loving worldliness and the sinful ways of this world is incompatible with loving God. It's incompatible. We need to be careful concerning moral separation. Oh boy, here we go. All right, another lesson on separation. It, I mean, it comes up often. It really does. Um, but it's a, it's a major foundational doctrine of our Baptist faith. It is. You're to be separate and distinct. And you can't be separate and distinct if you're integrated into the world to the degree that we can't see the difference between the worldly influences in your life and the Christian 
If we can't see the difference in those two, then there's a problem. There's a problem. Then you've gotten too ingrained and you haven't you probably ought to study that the doctrine on separation a little bit and look into that. Now, uh, the fundamental independent Baptist uh, often get beat up for hev- heavily um, uh, pushing that doctrine. But so what? I mean, I, that doesn't bother me. It is a foundational doctrine, and we see it often in Scripture. But we need to be careful concerning separation from the love of places and the people and the prestige, the popularity, the pleasures, and the philosophies of this world. Again, not getting so ingrained in those things that we can't see the difference. Verse 16. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Satan has always used these three things, these three methods of attack. From the Garden of Eden to Christ in the wilderness, he has used those methods of attack on us. He uses these same three methods of attack against us today. And we need not be ignorant of these methods, lest we should lose advantage and not be able to succumb to these attacks. Of course, there may be other methods of attacks. I said that he uses these primarily, but, um, but these are the ones that become the most prominent. The lust of the flesh. In Genesis, Eve saw that the tree was good for food. And Jesus, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights in Matthew 4.2, the Bible says, he was afterward and hungry. In verse 3, and when the tempter came to, to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. We see things and we want them. You want it. You think it's going to be good for you. And it's not. But Jesus' response was, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here's the distinction in that separation. You shouldn't live by what is in the world alone, but from Scripture, from what Jesus and God, what they've taught us and what's, what he gives us to be able to combat those temptations with. This speaks of any wicked desires stirred up by our physical or emotional desires. Particularly the desire for pleasure. We think it's going to satisfy a particular need or pleasure and it may for a season, right? And we don't understand the consequences that are going to come through that. Through that. Or we understand them and we put them aside. We put them aside and we somehow rationalize that it's going to be okay this time. Oh, just just this once. Just this once. The sin isn't in being tested. 
The sin is in yielding to the temptation. John goes on in verse 16 and he says, another method is through the lust of the eyes. And Eve in the garden, uh, verse three, or excuse me, chapter 3, verse 6, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. She saw the, the tree and the fruit and it was pleasant to the eyes. Well, if it's pleasant to the eyes, then it can't be harmful for me, right? Changed everything, didn't it? And then in Matthew, Jesus again being tempted by Satan, the devil showeth him, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. You can have all of it. Just worship me, right? This speaks of the wicked desires stirred by the things that we see and we covet, including desires for passion and possessions. I, uh, what was it, last fall maybe? Yeah, probably because it was after I started with the credit union. I was on Facebook. Yeah, they have those ads on Facebook. And of course... Anything that pops up is something you've talked about recently, which is creepy. <laughs> but I was at work and I saw, because I'm like, you know what? I need to get some exercise. All I do is sit around. I had one of those Nordic track bikes. I'm only 50 bucks a month. Zero interest. Oh, what am I out? So I was sitting at work, and I thought, you know what, I, I, can, I can put that in my office. And I'll get up in the morning, I'll get on that bike, i got a TV in there, and I'll watch something and get, you know, 20-minute bike ride in. That'd be good for me. Plus, it's cool. It's got this flat-screen TV, Bluetooth. Oh, that's a pretty neat thing. As you're riding around, it adjusts. Have you seen those? I'm going to order that. Click, 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 click. Mm, now I gotta go home and tell Cindy. Because <laughs> it's gonna show up and I can't hide that bike. <laughs> so I went home. I didn't do it that day, I'll be honest. Which should have been a sign, right? <laughs> I waited a few days. I'm like, oh, and then just kind of threw it out there. Oh, by the way, I ordered this bike. Huh? Oh, yeah. You know, I got one of those. Um, Exercise box. I'm going to put it in the office. And she goes, well, how much was it? Uh, only a couple thousand. <laughs> a couple thousand dollars? Yeah, I mean, zero interest. Well, I paid off in no time. Whatever. Yeah, that's another sign. <laughs> so the bike came, and I got it set up in my office, which I didn't fully comprehend how big the bike was and how small my office was <laughs> so I've had this thing a year you know how many times I've rode that bike twice right now it's in our living room torn apart because I decided it was too big for the office it's sitting next to the treadmill I bought uh, about five, six, seven years ago. 
that I haven't used very often either, to be honest with you. Man, you know, they, you know they, our system is not stupid. We sometimes are, or I am. But it's not stupid. They know how to market things to us. They know how to make things look alluring. If I work out, I'm going to look like that guy in that commercial. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, they know how to make these things look appealing to us. And nowadays, it's just so super easy to hit click. Amazon is awesome. And I hate it. FBI, I love FBI. Who's in FBI? Man, every week he goes... It's a, He's teaching, he goes, and I have this lesson I got from this book. And I'm writing down the name of that book. And sometimes I'm even like, I wonder what that book costs on Amazon. Purchase. I got book. I got a bunch of books. I mean, I, my office, again, is not that big. But it's just, the, the access to stuff is just too easy nowadays. The old days of, you know, if I wanted a book, I'd have had to go to Brace Books and find it and write a check for it, put it in the check register and actually see what impact that's going to have on my account. You hit click and it's all done. You've lost that those momentary gaps in there that common sense might be able to come into play that's not by accident I'm you know I'm convinced you know Satan is behind, he's behind these things and you know if, if the access is readily available and we are just bombarded with stuff we don't need that occupies time away from the things that we need to be doing in Scripture and helping each other and praying for one another and volunteering at, uh, at ministries here at the church or, or just getting involved in some way. These things all get in the way of that. They all just get in the way of that. If I want, anybody wants to use bicycle though, let me know. <laughs> Slightly used. I even put that thing on Facebook Marketplace and couldn't sell it. Like, seriously? So we have all these desires for, for things and possessions. We're always trying to keep up with the Joneses, as the saying says, right? And then we have the pride of life, John refers to. And, and, and Eve... Um, and a tr uh, in uh, Genesis 3, 6, it says that a tree to be desired to make one wise. She's like, man, if I, if I was wise and I knew all these things, then I'd be, would Satan say, uh, say, as if you were a god. You would have all this knowledge and you'd be wise. And then Satan in, in tempting Jesus, uh, Matthew 4, 6, cast thyself down. Jesus was put at the top of the temple. In Jerusalem, cast thyself down for he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. 
Obviously, many think this was probably at a time where there was a feast, there would have been a bunch of people around. Jesus doing this would have been a, a uh, kind of showing off to everybody, and, you know, he would get, you know, and he never did a miracle, though, to, to show off or to try and impress somebody. That's not what he was about, obviously. These verses, this part speaks of wicked desires motivated by pride, power, prestige, and popularity. How sad is it to see Christians grieve their God in order to fit in or get ahead in the world? And I will say this was a struggle for me for some time. This was a struggle for me for some time. There's something about, and I'm sure Matt and TZ can probably uh, acknowledge this, there's something about putting a badge on and a gun that affects affects you, not always in a positive way. Not always in a positive way. It kind of puffs you up a little bit. It puffs you up. I, I used to tell young officers, it will change you. It's going to make you feel like you're invincible. And you'll have the almost superhero powers to make people do what you want them to do. And it's going to puff you up. The ability is is to recognize when that happens and start backing away from it. Because it will happen to each and every officer. It happened to me several times in my career. Especially as a younger officer, though, is when you're susceptible to it. But you have these jobs that kind of lift you up, and and we're I was you know we respect our officers and and uh, I always have, but we don't want them to be lifted up in pride in regards to that. Um, it's something you always got to be mindful about when you're seeking advancement in a career or uh, leadership positions. Is are you doing it to be lifted up? Personally, or are you doing it as an aspect of servant leadership? Watch out for pride. We, uh, the society's big on this too. They, they really, you know, climb that corporate ladder, right? Climb the corporate ladder. That, it's always better at the top of the ladder. Well, not always. Not always. I admire the folks, and, and we need them just as much as we need those, those people that want to excel to the top. We need folks that are happy just being a part and, and serving. We need, fo- we need those folks as well. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All of these aspects that John goes over, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all uh, the problems originate from the heart. tells us that right there in Romans. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed and the renewing of your mind. You, you got, you know, we can't just give you information. If we just keep giving you information and it doesn't affect the heart, then you're really just not getting there. Not getting there. 
So we have all of these influences coming at us from the world, from the outside, Satan's attacks constantly, constantly. I think if, if, so, if we were to write down you know, different things that we see throughout the day that's a temptation or could be a temptation, you, we'd be amazed at how uh, pervasive it is nowadays. But the object of a, of a Christian's unconditional devotion and commitment should be God and his people. Not the sinful world and all of its delights. When you talk about all this uh, stimulation, I actually took a trip one time. I thought at one point I wanted to go to Las Vegas just to see it once. And I, I did a reunion with some friends of mine uh, that I went to an, uh, some training with years ago. And they actually, everybody wanted to meet in Vegas. Okay. That is the most horrible place ever. I'm not kidding you. I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. That place is evil. I mean, every piece of it is evil. It's shiny. And there's a lot of lights and everything in it. I mean, you walk in lobbies of these hotel casino places and it's all polished marble and beautiful with, you know, all the brass is polished. I mean, it just really attracts the eye. But would you kind of spend some time around the place or walk around? It is a horrible place. I would, and I was so glad I didn't take my family with me. I will, that is one place I would never go back to, ever go back to. I mean, you talk about something that Satan is, that, I mean, he is in, in to that place. That is his town. I mean, it, 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 is, it, it is, it looks like it would be delightful, but I mean, just the, the lights and the stimulus, but it, it's just not. There's nothing good about that. All that gets in the way of what we can be doing here. And I wrote down just some of what's going on that we have going on. This is just a small list. Uh, we got church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, RUs on Friday, FBI Thursday, outreach on Saturdays. We got various committees you can be involved with. Uh, I just wrote down decorating, cleaning, uh, cooking. We have something going on all the time. So when you have all these temptations from your time and your commitment and your your uh, possessions going on, how better to combat that than to devote your time doing the things of God in His house for God's people? Make yourself so busy doing God's work here that those other things don't even come to play. I was asked recently at work, uh, Veterans Day parade's coming up, and they're doing, which I love. I mean, Veterans Day, who doesn't love Veterans Day? Don't take me wrong. I'm not a big parade guy, though. I don't know about Matt. I just, I hate parades. I worked them for years, and I just hate them. Yeah, I heard somebody, yeah. And the other thing is they happen on Saturdays. And Saturday is my study time for Sunday school. And I'm not going to, if I substitute the parade and Cherokee Strip's doing a fancy float and they wanted me to do this and that, and I told one of the managers last week, no, Saturday is my time I've set aside to get ready for Sunday school because I teach and 
if I start substituting for that, then I'm not going to be as prepared and I'll be more apt to do that in the future. And they weren't real happy with that, to be honest with you, but that's my answer and I'm sticking to it. Devote your time to doing things for His kingdom and then you'll have less time to get caught up in things for Satan's kingdom, right? And very quickly, verse 17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I don't think it's a secret in this room. world's not going to be here forever, right? But we prepare for retirement, and we prepare for a disaster. I have an above-ground tornado shelter in my home. It was after I went and uh, worked the Norman tornado years ago. I came home and was like, I got to buy a shelter. That was, that was horrible to see. Um, we prepare for all that. If you know a snowstorm's coming, you, you run to Walmart. COVID, evidently everybody goes and buys toilet paper. You prepare for those things, right? But what are you doing to prepare for eternity? I don't know. What are we doing? We believe it. We all, I think everybody in this room, likely anyway, believes that we're going to spend eternity in heaven. And that there's rewards given and we're going to spend time with Jesus and every, on all of us, each other. And, but what are we doing to, to get ready for that? I think that's a challenge for all of us, Right? This, everything we're doing now to prepare for tomorrow, next week, next year, for the elections coming up, for the presidential elections coming up in two years, who cares, honestly? I mean, yeah, I'd like to see certain people win, and politically I have feelings one way versus another, but in the long-term aspect of it, what's it really mean? I mean, really, it means Nothing. It means nothing. Everything is in a state of decay. That's science. Everything is in a state of decay, including our country and this world. That's just, that's science. Nothing gets better as it gets older. Can we vouch for that one? <laughs> nothing gets better as it gets older. I saw one writer put it this way, the Christian lives in the world, but the world is not to live in the Christian. Oh, it's fine for a swimmer to be in the water, but when the water gets in the swimmer, oh, he's going to drown. Even so, the Christian is in the world, but when the world gets in the Christian, they will drown out of the things, it will drown out the things of God in his heart and his life. It's a great way to kind of you know, there's, you know, there are things we're supposed to hate. And you know what, there, we're, we kind of live in a society now that nobody likes to, that, that's just kind of a, we don't want to kind of talk like that sometimes, might offend somebody. Uh, that's, that's scripture. God hates things. There are things that God hates. And we're not talking about people. We're not talking about people. We love people. God created every one of them. Even though they may live in a life of sin, they're the victim as well. 
But John is clear through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We are to hate this world. Don't get tied up in the things of this world. Don't let the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life get in the way of you serving Him. a matter of fact, I would challenge you, find ways to serve Him that'll drown out all that other mess going on outside these doors today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for our time this morning. I hope that uh, I was able to uh, say the things that You wanted me to say this morning. I ask that You be with each one of us and challenge us. Challenge us that, there, that we find maybe some opportunities that we're not currently involved in to devote more time to You and the things that You would have us do for Your kingdom and this church and this community and the ministries we support and that we can get involved in those things and drown out the things of this world. There's nothing for us outside these doors, Lord. Nothing for us. And when we kind of become comfortable with that, then it makes it easier to turn away from it. But let us not take this too far and, and again realize this is about the systems of the world, Lord, not the people in it. We love each and every one of them, whether they follow you or not. Our goal is to get them saved. That's your goal for us, and that's the goal of this church, is to share the gospel and see people saved. So let us not confuse the two topics and, and take this the wrong way. Lord, even uh, here in a few minutes, be with uh, Brother Lynn as he prepares his message and preaches for us that uh, it would be another special time that you would speak to each one of us and um, put a specific decision in each one of our hearts to come closer to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>